Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. The e-commerce podcast is all about helping you deliver e-commerce wow. Now, I am stoked with today's guest, who is Evan Paget from Stealth Venture Labs. We are chatting about everything you need to know to take over, yes, with subscription e-commerce. Evan is a legend, let me tell you. You're gonna love this conversation. But before we jump into it, let me give a quick shout out to some of our past guests and uh, past guests and episodes, uh, given that we are talking about everything you need to know to take over with subscription e-commerce. So today, I thought it would be good to mention my conversation with Richard Schnitzel. If you ever saw the video, Richard was the guy with the bow tie. It's his signature look. Uh, and we got into all things automation, how to use automation to help your business. And the second episode, let me give a shout out to, and actually, this is not uh, yet released. So you need to be subscribed to, to get access to this one, right? You'll be notified when it comes out. It's a conversation I'm having with Cody Bramlett, who built a subscription business in supplements. And so we're gonna get into all of that. So you're not gonna wanna miss that either. So do check that one out. And to, to listen to that one, to hear to that one, subscribe. It's gonna be awesome. So this episode is brought to you by the e-commerce cohort, uh, which helps you to deliver e-commerce well to your customers. Now, you may well have got stuck in your e-commerce business, or like me, you may have got siloed into working on just one or two areas. You know, the areas that you kind of you enjoy and you kind of forget all the other stuff. Like we liked email marketing over here and we like this bit over here, but we forgot about all the other stuff. And let me tell you, that was a big problem for us. Uh, and this is why I'm super passionate about the e-commerce cohort. It solves this problem. It's a lightweight membership group with guided monthly sprints that cycle through all the key areas of e-commerce. The sole purpose of cohort is to provide you with clear, actionable jobs to be done so you'll know what to work on and get the support you need to get it done. So whether you are just starting out in e-commerce or if like me, you are a well-established e-commercer, I encourage you to definitely check out ecommercecohort.com. Com. That's ecommercecohort.com. It is gearing up for its founding member launch. It is almost there, and you are definitely gonna to wanna to check it out because the offers on it are incredible for the founding members. Uh, if you've got any questions, email me directly at matt at ecommercepodcast.net with your questions, because let me tell you, I've said this before on the podcast, I'm super proud of it. I'm super proud of what's gonna be happen, happening with Cohort. I wish I had it 10 years ago. Let me tell you, I really do. Uh, so Evan Paget is a 20-year e-commerce veteran with uh, experience in subscription commerce. He's also got a phenomenal sense of humor. He's the COO of Stealth Venture Labs, an e-commerce marketing firm. He works with brands like Crocs, HelloFresh, Factor 75, and the list just goes on and on and on. He is awesome, he's a legend. Uh, when he's not taking over the world with subscription commerce, uh, you'll find him hanging out with his kids, playing video games, but his true love is American football. Don't hold it against him, but he's a die-hard Denver Broncos fan. Someone has to be, right? <laughs> Sorry, Evan, I shouldn't have said that. That's just uh, me poking fun. I'm not a Denver Broncos fan. Uh, I actually have a neighbor who is a really big Broncos fan, actually, here in the UK. Uh, but me, 
I lived in Carolina, so I'm a Panthers fan. But there you go. We all have our cross to bear, don't we? Anyway, this is not about American football. This is about subscription e-commerce. Uh, grab your notebooks, grab your pens, grab your cup of coffee. Uh, here is my conversation with Evan. I am here with our very special guest all the way from Colorado in the USA, Evan, who is a 20-year-old e-commerce veteran with experience in subscription commerce. Oh, yes. As the COO of Stealth Venture Labs, an e-commerce marketing firm, he gets to work with some incredible brands like Crocs, for example, and HelloFresh. So really keen to dig into this and pick his brains about this whole subscription thing. And when he's not taking over the world of subscription e-commerce, uh, you'll find him hanging out with his kids or playing video games. Uh, but his true love, apparently, is uh, is is the Denver Broncos. Is that right, uh, Evan? You're a bit of a diehard uh, Denver Broncos fan, I see. Diehard Denver Broncos fan, diehard kid at heart, still playing video games at 39 years old this year. <laughs> but you do the math in the industry for 20 years, so boom, half my life on the internet. So let's go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So no wonder you're playing uh, computer games. Yeah, exactly. It was, it very was understanding spouse. Yeah, very. You know what? Um, the other day I was on a trip to the States. I was in your wonderful country with my 15-year-old uh, daughter. And we were doing a bit of a road trip and we ended up in San Francisco. And in San Francisco, there was this place called, um, oh, I can't remember the name of it, something like Antique Arcade or something like that. Shoot. And I, and I said to Zoe, my daughter, I said, let's go in and have a look and maybe we'll see some of the, you know, some of the old sort of games. Uh, and sure enough, you walked in and there were games like from the 20s, you know, some old pinball machines. And it was incredible. And we were walking around and I heard um, the Star Wars theme playing. And I, and I, I just grabbed my daughter's arm and I was like, no. No, it can't be. It can't be. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, it can't be. Because when I was a kid, well, when I was a teenager, there used to be this shop in the village where I grew up. And in that shop, you would rent your videos, a bit like, you know, our own version of Blockbuster. And uh, they had a few arcade machines in the back, one of which was the Star Wars Atari game, which was all sort of vector graphics. And I spent many, many a year playing that game. And that's the only game, Evan, I've ever been good at. I mean, the only game I've ever been good at. And so when I heard the Star Wars theme uh, in this place, and lo and behold, there is the machine. I was like, I was like, Zoe, come on, I've got to, we, I spent hours playing this game. <laughs> in the amusement, uh, antique amusement arcade. And I was better than my 15-year-old daughter who was obviously growing up with the computer games. So I still felt pretty good about myself. But that's as much as I can help uh, with that whole conversation. <laughs> well, it sounds like uh, you did the right thing. Get some playtime in. <laughs> Be perfect for a subscription model. Send you one of those uh, to your house. And uh, therefore, yeah. look at the value for our played. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, it's just incredible. Do you know what? I went on to Google and I thought, I wonder how much it costs to buy one of these. Um, yeah, you don't want to do that. 15,000 uh, pounds. Thank you very much. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm, 
I can't justify spending 15 grand on a computer game if I want to stay married, uh, if I'm honest. Right, um, right, right. You have choices to make. <laughs> Everyone's got their big choices. <laughs> big, yeah, big decisions to make in life. Um, so what? why Denver Broncos? Did you grow up in that? Because Denver, Colorado, I suppose, is that where you are? Or Yeah, so I'm in Colorado now, but it's funny. I grew up in a state called Oregon, uh, which is north of California, you know, about seven hours north of where you were mm-hmm. in San Fran. Uh, but they didn't have a professional uh, football, American football team. Um, so I just was like, I'm going to pick a team. And I happened to like this team when I was a kid growing up. And then, lo and behold, I ended up here. And it was just kind of all a happy set of coincidences. I wasn't like, oh, now I can move to Colorado and mm-hmm. be closer to the sports team I like. It was like, this is, this is where I live now. I, I moved here from Los Angeles. And I was like, okay, this is uh, this is much better for my state of mind, for the family situation. I have three kids, mm-hmm. um, ages two through eight, so oh, or well. now ages two through eight. Um, it was just a much better move. And lo and behold, the Broncos play an hour away from here, so uh, that works out well for me. Um, and then you know, the kids and everything are, are lo- living it up and having a great time but now it's weird because i forgot about what it's like when you live in los angeles i forgot about what it's like living in a place with seasons um <laughs> you know like los angeles just kind of has varying degrees of spring and summer um yeah, with yeah. a couple of rainy weeks here and there yeah. um but you know we just actually no joke it's about today uh well last week this time it was about 24 25 celsius pretty toasty well. Yeah. It snowed Saturday. <laughs> well, Snow. it sounds a lot like England. I'm not going to lie. Just... <laughs> okay. That's, that, is that just what that's like? Because, like, it is May 20th, and we had, and 21st, we had snow hitting the ground after it was 80 something degrees Fahrenheit in the, in the mid 20s Celsius a few days before. So things are weird here. Yeah. That's rough. You know, what can I say? Uh, we we also have our own quirky weather, but you know it it, <laughs> it is what it is. I've only been I've been to the UK once, and it was just it seemed like an awesome place, but I had just a cliche, seemingly normal. The sky is gray, yeah, and everything's a little it. bit damp. Yeah, everything's damp. <laughs> Every, it's just and it's gray. And uh, no, I mean there are a few days when it's not as gray. <laughs> There's a bit of blue in the sky. <laughs> Uh, but gray becomes rapidly your favorite color. Just, you know, it, it becomes <laughs> your palette. Okay, that works. It's why every house in England, I say every house, a lot of houses have this sort of gray or white paint, uh, sometimes beige. But it's usually that kind of paint and everybody accents stuff with color. You should, So, ah. you know, it'd be like the cushions bring the color into the room because that's how England is. It's like this is gray landscape. But there's a lot of green, which sort of accents, you know, the sky. Uh, and that's just kind of how we get color out of things. So. so if I were to go build a subscription there, then it would need to be a colorful box and a colorful product. And it <laughs> yeah, would probably be well, is what you're saying? Yeah, I and mean, it should contain an umbrella. Um. <laughs> Can't have too many of those. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's get on to the whole subscription thing. Uh, yeah. You are... I said in the intro there, you're um, the COO, the Chief Operating Officer in England. I assume it means the same thing in the States. Yeah. Um, of Stealth Venture Labs. Um, now, before, obviously, you're in Stealth Venture Labs, you, you seem to have this this wild history of, of sort of how you got there. 
Um, but what what is Stealth Venture Labs? Um, you know, you, we call it an e-commerce marketing firm, but is that what you guys specialize in? Yeah, so we are a uh, performance marketing agency managing media dollars to the millions and millions per month for all of our clients, um, ranging from the HelloFreshes of the world to small brands just trying to spend their first 10, 25, $30,000 in advertising mm. um, on any platform you can manage behind the screen. So all things meta, I'm still going to want it. I'm still going to call it Facebook. I still I refuse <laughs> to call it anything yeah, yeah, yeah. Facebook, but you know, everything Facebook, Insta, um, Snap, TikTok, Pinterest, Google, Bing, you know, anything we can mm. manage from here. I got a team to do it. Um, you know, performance marketing experts focused on all things funnel optimization as well, creative development, which has changed quite a bit in the past few years, especially. Um, and then we also have an incubator arm here at Stealth, which we call our founder lab, which mm -hmm. is basically a, a place where we work with brands looking to expand their product line or launch a new brand and want to know what the market is going to think about that brand. So mm -hmm. um, about a half dozen times a year, we get these experiments where brands big and small, but usually they're either big privately held like family brands or brands you all know of that are like, Hey, we want to expand into this. Yeah. We guys make an experience, a brand and do some marketing and let us know what that looks like. Um, and we do that in our founder lab side. So if you have an idea or if you're part of a big brand that has an idea, instead of buying the inventory, hiring the team, sinking a million dollars into it before you even get it off the ground, we have brands that'll come to us and say, Tell us what that looks like first. Mm. Tell us like what does our pricing need to be? What does the promotionality look? And we spend real advertising dollars to get customers to sign up. And then when they sign up, we say, "Hey, you're part of a beta. You're not going to be charged. We'll give you a mm. deal when it goes live." Yada yeah. yada. So then we could actually say, "Hey, here's the customer acquisition cost. Here's the pricing and the promotion and the positioning that we know works that backs into what should be a good model. Run with it. We'll build it for you fully if you like." Yeah, and go on from there. So that's the other side of the house. But we're primarily the agency. Yeah, well, that's, well, actually, that sounds a lot of fun to me. That whole incubation thing. That's uh, great, and we do it for I, our own products, our own in-house yeah. products as well. Like we have an idea. It's like okay, take a few weeks, launch it, and see what it looks like. Yeah, see what people think. There's a lot to be said for that, actually, and throwing some money into things like that rather than trying to figure it all out from day one. The brand that you mentioned, um, HelloFresh, uh, I am familiar with here in the UK. This is a subscription service which you sign up to, and they deliver fresh produce to your house every week or every month or whatever time frame you, um, you sign up for. Um, so when we talk about subscription commerce... Or subscription e-commerce. In my head, Evan, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking things like HelloFresh, you know, and it's you, you kind of sign up, you get a box or uh, there's a beauty one. I can't remember what it's called now, the uh, beauty box or something like that. Um, like and birch you box up, or... Yeah, birch box. That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, where you, you sign up, you pay your 10 bucks a month and they send you a, a few bits and bobs. Is that what you're referring to when you talk subscription commerce? So to me, I look at subscription commerce as another way I like to say it is uh, recurring revenue models. Really. Okay. So uh, these are models that guarantee you for better, lack of better words, downstream revenue from your consumers at the expense of either product or service. So um, now that's broadly subscription, but every business loves to have predictable forward-looking revenue, right? So mm -hmm. um, it, when I look at subscription commerce, there is what you mentioned, the food in the box, there's stuff in a box that shows up, but then there's also services. There's also memberships that give you access 
Uh, one of the companies that I was a chief marketing officer for before joining Stealth is a company in the States called Thrive Market, uh, which is a online grocery company that worked off an annual membership model for like $60 okay. a year. You get access to the best prices you're going to get on these, you know, organic and non-GMO foods um, that, you know, is, is quote unquote, you know, healthier for you and better for you. And sometimes necessary if you have things like, you know, gluten intolerance and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so that's an annual membership model, but there's still a recurring revenue model there. Uh, so I look at subscription as broadly anything that provides recurring revenue where customers uh, are basically engaged in a relationship with you, opt in or opt out, um, that creates a predictable forward-looking revenue model. Okay. And so like you say, that can be products, it can be services, it can be a membership, and it can have all kinds of different uh things attached to it i guess if i'm to back up uh just a little bit so if it's this sort of recurring revenue model a predictable re recurring revenue model i suppose the clue is in that definition as to why maybe as an e-commerce entrepreneur i should think about having some kind of subscription if i don't currently have one right yeah i i always encourage people to find a recurring revenue model because look e-commerce economics you want recurring revenue anyway you're you're not building an e-commerce store of saying like, oh, I'm just going to sell one of these to everybody. And that's it. <laughs> Perfect. That's all I ever need to do, right? So you're already thinking recurring revenue anyway. All I'm saying is find the, the way to expand your service that creates a recurring revenue model that provides a mutual benefit, not just to you as a, as a company, uh, but to the customer as well, um, and creates a longer standing ongoing relationship with them is the best way forward. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, again, brands and, and, and entrepreneurs are already thinking like this. You do not build an e-commerce site to sell one of one thing to every person. You, you're you mm -hmm. trying to get three to four purchases a year. Well, subscription models kind of guarantee you that. At what expense? Maybe some more attrition. Maybe subscription's not for everybody. But the predictability that you get, your ability to grow and scale and advertise because your LTVs will be higher, mm -hmm. you'll make more money candidly over the long term in, in 9 out of 10 situations or 99 out of 100 probably. Um, that's why I encourage brands to sit there and sort out what would be something I could offer as a recurring revenue. And it may not be as obvious as you think, right? Yeah. Um, but that's I, I always drive for that. In all of our clients that come to us, I'm like, all right, what, have you guys thought about recurring revenue? If yeah. they haven't, like, let's just talk about that. We're going to still do what you need us to do, but how can we create a recurring revenue model for your brand? Yeah, yeah. And you can almost That's, always find one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, you, when you were talking about no one wants to sell one one product to just everybody, the only thing that I can think of, uh, I was talking to a chap uh, called Adam Pierce, who is also coming on the show. We were we were having a com we recorded his interview actually earlier today. Um, he was saying he's got into uh, one of the things he's getting into was um, coffins, uh, which is probably <laughs> the only product that I think of that you could sell one time to one person. But if I if I can be slightly flippant here, uh, is there space? Let's say I do sell, you know, nice wooden caskets. And um, is there space, do you think, for me to also think about recurring revenue, even though it's obviously a one time sale? This is a unique one. Let's see. What yeah, was the yeah. recurring revenue for that coffin? Um, well, let's see. You could, well, typically coffins got to go somewhere. So you could have a recurring revenue model on the plot of land that it's going mm. on. Instead of buying the land itself, you could create a lease for it. There's a little mm. bit of recurring revenue. Um, there's other services. So 
wow, this is this is going places. Didn't think you're going to go to Coffins, <laughs> but but uh, uh, you know, you could offer things like um, other things you're dealing with at uh, if it's your coffin you're shopping for mm-hmm. um, uh, are uh, a, a service that could provide um, support and relief to people around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so consultative services, um, being able to. It sounds really schlocky, so don't, uh, you know, this is going to be on the internet forever on this podcast, but could you sell or potentially create a recurring revenue model on the grief counseling needed were Mm -hmm. you towed to pass and be placed in said coffin um, to support the ones around you? Yeah, maybe there's a recurring revenue model there. Taking advantage of the bereaved, but not Mm -hmm. in a bad way, but just from uh, the fact that that is generally needed. Or other end of, um, again, if you're the one going in, that coffin other things to wind down your affairs um that could be a once said coffin is filled what would be some draws from an estate for example that would be a recurring revenue model to handle um so you might hear a siren in the background um but to handle uh the end of life affairs uh Mm. that could be reasonable as well um yeah, that is, that's a yeah. unique one. No, no, I, I, I don't mean to be uh, flippant or just No, no, I mean, hey, we're all going to go through that journey at some point. That's just like, <laughs> I, I have not been challenged with confidence on a recurring <laughs> revenue model. Yeah, like it's just top of mind when you, you know, yeah. when you, from the earlier conversation. But I, I like you, I'm sitting here thinking, well, what could I do? So there's managed services, for example. You've got yeah. to maintain the plot of land, haven't you? Could yeah. I create some kind of membership so that... Um, maybe I'm in my fifties, my sixties, I'm starting to think about it. And so I'm, you know, I can use your services, not only to pick out my casket, but also to plan my funeral to also host my will, you know, and you can help me with all. What about the legal services side of things? What if you are on a plan to pay out and handle, have your affairs covered and that is something similar to another policy and that, you know, that could be actually. If you start modeling that out, that could be a really relatively low expense depending on people's life expectancy. This is like really weird, but I'm here for this. (laughs) But like depending on their life expectancy, so say you're a 60-year-old person but generally in good health Mm. and you're just planning ahead and getting this stuff squared away, put them on some plan to be like, hey, any basic legal or end-of-life type um, services you need are included in this package and you're – you're paying for it, so you just, you know, somebody, you or somebody on your behalf picks up the phone and, and gets things handled. So if you're creating a will and testament, if you're creating, mm-hmm. uh, establishing your estate, if you're somebody that has the ability or need to do that, or your um, your finances, getting them in order and how that's going to look like, mm-hmm. I suppose it would be a recurring revenue model that would at least come from that. Now, does the coffin company selling that or are they creating a relationship with somebody else here nor there but there's a recurring revenue model involved that could that could exist yeah absolutely i think i I guess the point from this is it doesn't matter what you sell uh there is with a little bit of thinking something that you can do to create a recurring revenue model out of it yeah Uh, as long as both sides are winning that's the part that like okay like you don't want like lopsided recurring revenue models are I think, um, well, one, they're not great. That's just the easiest way to put it. But I also think that they're not, they, they put a bad name on the recurring revenue model industry. And I'll give you one example that's off the top of my head right now that I, I've said this on a different podcast before, but I'm also like, I hope that this stops quickly is 
vehicles becoming smarter now as they are you start mm-hmm. having features that are going to be subscription now everyone's got like a lot of new cars have uh you know Sirius XM radio right or they have like satellite radio that's one subscription mm-hmm. but like subscriptions for features that are electronically blocked that could just be added on for like hey ten dollars a month and you want a, a better braking system or you want the like yeah. when autonomous driving comes out if that is more of a subscription instead of a one-time fee or a feature those sorts of things are going to start bothering me a little bit if i'm being honest because they're just like the the things that you you truly want are only available on, only in a recurring revenue model and we're starting to see that now i've seen more and more cars come out with like paywalled features um yeah. like uh, i don't know i'm gonna name the brand because i wouldn't know it off the top of my head but there was one car coming out that has like climate control settings that are not as advanced unless you pay for a subscription to their service and i'm like yeah that's horrible i am sorry but that is yeah. not great because that is a lopsided uh, one side is winning in this type of subscription, but you find a mutual yeah. win. You provide a service that they need that a, a normal person, what do they want? They want something relieved from their life. They need a little less gravity in their world. They want to not have to go to the grocery store so they get food delivered. They want to save themselves time and money. They want something convenient that they normally have to deal with that they don't want to showing up ready to go and knowing that if they don't want it, they can call up and get support that they need or, or email yeah. up and make that happen. Like all you're trying to do is make people's lives better. And when you got a subscription or a recurring revenue model that does that, then you have an excellent business. Um, so that's uh, not trying to crap on the car industry, but that's one of those things that bothers me or when the necessary things are put on recurring revenue model. No, that's fair enough. I'd be hacked off with that as well. And I think you are right. Every man and his dog is jumping on the subscription model system in some respects. Uh, and in, and I like what you say. It can't be lopsided. It has to be a win-win. Yep. Um, otherwise, people just aren't interested. I mean, one of the mistakes I think we made with a subscription model in one of our own businesses um, was we didn't we sort of went right. Well, if you subscribe to this, um, these particular products, you you know you get them at a, a lower price. That's the whole reason we want you. You can buy them straight off the website, but if you want them at a lower price, we'll send them to you every two months. And it was just like a box we we're going to ship out every two months or every three months. Um, I guess nobody really biggest... did the subscribe and save, or they asked why can't I get it for this price instead of subscribing. Well, no, it, the the issue was not so much that. The issue was more. I'd not taken into account the customers that we were serving who were very um, sustainability savvy. Oh, yeah. And so they're like, well, hang on a minute. Um, I What you're basically doing, why can't I buy more and have it shipped one time, maybe twice a year, oh. as opposed to buy less and have it shipped, you know, just like every month it's the same product it's the same discount i still want to buy the product i just want to ship it less because i I want to offset my carbon footprint and that was something that i i personally was not expecting do you know what i mean i was i was a bit shocked shocked is the wrong word but i was like oh okay surprise maybe that is a more Um, and more common thing actually so you hit on something around sustainability and um the biggest rub that has now turned into sustainability wants for subscriptions for a while is the amount of like corrugate and especially if you partake in a meal at home company 
You get a box that yeah. is lined with insulation that usually also has a couple of different um, frozen ice packs in it. Like, and those, there's reusability with the ice packs, but I mean, who needs more than a few ice packs in their life? Yeah, exactly. um, and then you have just so much corrugate, so many insulated boxes that insulate is usually uh, recyclable, but it is still being produced and there's still a big footprint there. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the ways that I work on, um, and I'm really proud of a, the former company I was at called Thrive Market, like they've actually become, you know, a certified B Corp and reduced their, their footprint down to more neutral. I think just officially their fulfillment mm-hmm. center, a warehouse actually got its certification to be carbon neutral, which is amazing. Um, but that is something that is coming up more and more and actually, um, you have to be if you're coming up with a new brand right now, or you're you're creating a new market, which is certainly happening as well. You have to be a lot more conscious about that because otherwise, um, mm. people say like, "Yeah, your product's good, but I what am I going to do with thirty boxes? Um, and, and why am I getting yeah. a box with boxes and boxes and stuff in it? Depending on what you're selling, mm. um, that's a real problem that I think is going to be kind of coming to pass right now, and we'll e- either start getting confronted with more challenging shipping rates. And guess what? If shipping goes up, that cost goes to the consumer. Um, yeah. Or a, you know, I always think that there's, I don't know how to do it because the economics, I've, I've struggled with this one for a while, but like there's got to be some way to create a business that reclaims Corrigan as well because everybody suffers from this, uh, that orders off of the internet. Um, well, you, you say that there's a company that we subscribe to called Riverside, which is a bit like HelloFresh. They're, they're, um, a, an organic, an organic, an organic farmer uh, here in the UK, um, and my wife subscribes to them. I, I, I have to be honest with you, Evan. I have nothing to do with it. It's, it's all my wife. Usually, it's for us. Uh, I, I just go to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just go to every now and again. Bloody hell, babe! This is expensive. But she's like, no, no, it's good because of X, Y, and Z. But what happens is every Tuesday morning they drop off the the latest order. But they pick up mm-hmm. all the cardboard boxes. They've designed them in such a way that they fold down and they pick them yep. up and they just reuse them until they really are dead. And we're like, that's awesome. So I don't have all, do you know what I mean? They, they, so whenever they drop the stuff off, they pick up all their, all their cardboard from before. And I think, fantastic. You know, I can, I can see that they've thought this through. They, and it's one of the things that my wife loves about it is actually they've gone, oh, yeah, that's really Yeah, so fantastic. you could do that in um, smaller markets, right? So, like, a company is trying to be mm. here in the U.S. nationwide. They would need agents in regional areas to handle that. Um, but I've seen that actually in a similar space of Meal at Home where there's, um, well, not the exact same space, more like the uh, last mile delivery services, say, like the DoorDashes or whatever. Mm. Um uh, of the world, Grubhub, et cetera. Um, in some er- like there'll be localized versions of those that will actually, um, you could buy, for example, um, uh, like stay hot, like bags, like tote bags, and they'll like swap them out. So like they'll deliver your stuff hot in a tote bag. So, and then, so you can pick it up. So they're not, so they are not having to give you um, the, the, the restaurants packaging other than like the container, but they don't have to use their bags. They don't have to use it. It's stuff like that. And then uh, you'll just switch out bags and then they'll, they'll take the one that you leave. You'll get a new one. Um, and that stuff works on like local regional markets where you, where you basically are in control of the last mile delivery. It starts, I would say falling apart more, even though I would say Amazon could do this. Uh, Amazon being arguably one of the biggest corrugate <laughs> providers here in the U S for sure to customers. Yeah. Um, 
you know, if they're doing their own Amazon delivery, which I see plenty of Amazon delivery trucks, not just the USPS and everything like that. You know, you think at some point they would try to reclaim the corrugate if you were able to leave it out there, but not existing yet. No, I, I think until consumer demand demands yeah. it, they're, they're just going to leave it, aren't they? They'll talk a good game, Amazon, but I think you're right. I think uh, how complex would it be if they just made reusable packaging right? that I just gave back all the time? It's, it, it can't be that difficult. But I appreciate England is a very different place to America yeah. in terms of size. Uh, and so, you know, it's a lot easier, I think, to do some of these things in, in the UK. Um, so, we, I mean... <laughs> That's some of the problems, I suppose. So what are some of the other problems that you see in terms of not creating a win-win scenario? So we've talked a little bit about the packaging, sustainability. You've mentioned um, the fire industry. Is there anything else that sort of winds you up the uh, wrong way? There's plenty of that. But when it comes to subscription commerce, um, <laughs> I would say just the – I feel like there's a – entrepreneurs think about subscription commerce as something they're trying to – push to consumers but it's actually the other way around your consumers will tell you what part of your product should be subscription um and you just gotta listen so like what mm -hmm. irks me is when i see subscription models where i would say i'm fairly certain at this point was not backed by a data-driven decision more just like a want to be like i want to ship you this every month like nobody's going to need that much mm -hmm. stuff every month. They're not going to need that much of your product. They are just, I just, I know they're not, not enough people are now. Are there some of every product? Sure. Right. But not enough people are going to need your stuff every single month to do that. So that's one thing that irks me when I see brands doing that, where it's a, uh, somebody that was of the mindset of just like, I need to create a recurring revenue. So I'm just going to put two of my stuff in a box and ship it every month. And I'm like, you're, you're just going about the wrong way. Like you're not listening to your consumers. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one thing that bothers me. The other one, this is like a complicated one. So bear with me in the sense of like, it brings out visceral emotions. Okay. I might cry. I don't know is <laughs> subscribe and save. And, um, here's, and subscribe okay. and save slash, uh, related, I guess is also people that are Amazon dependent and wanting to own their own brand. They're like, there's a lot of similarities between the two. Um, but I'm going to talk about them independently. Mm -hmm. Subscribe and save. Um, subscribe and save is the one thing that a lot of e-commerce brands do to try to then invalidate their need or ability to create a subscription model because they'll say, well, we did subscribe and save and I'm giving people 5% off and nobody's taking it. So subscription is not for our product. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you didn't, you didn't create an experience. Like, Subscription is meant to be an experience. Mm -hmm. It's not enough these days to just say my stuff's in a box and you're going to get it every month, whether you like it or not. That, that, that was like subscription 10, 12, 15 years ago. And I trust me, I was there for that. Like that, that's really what that was. Now it's mm -hmm. about creating a service and an experience for the consumer that makes them feel special. Like it was curated for them that addresses their problems more directly mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, is now effectively a monthly or a quarterly or whatever frequency bill on their, you know, bank statement. You can't just say like, oh, I'm just going to put two of my stuff in a box and call it a subscription now, or I'm just going to do subscribe and save and, and say, oh, that's my subscription model because people want people, 
there, there's enough data that shows that people want flexibility and they'll pay a lot more for flexibility. Therefore, you're working against yourself there. But if you curate mm -hmm. that same experience, if you say, we're going to send you my skincare product, but because of that, tell me a little bit more about your skin type. Tell me a little bit more about other skin problems or health and wellness problems you're having. And then what we're going to do is send you our, our hero product, which is what we are known for. But we're also going to send you two or three other products that are either experimental or curated for you. Um, and now, now that makes me feel like, oh, you're thinking about like my skincare regimen or my dietary preferences. So you got to make it yeah. special. Um, and that is one thing that bothers me is like people that just try to go off of like the subscribe and you get 5% off or 10% off or what? Like that's not, you're not winning people with that. That's what Amazon does, though, isn't it? That's why yeah. everyone sort of copied it. Is is they so now talking about Amazon? Clever idea, or do you that. have this is something I deal with several times a year at Stealth. I could I, I had one of these conversations not more than a week ago. A brand comes to me saying, "Hey, we do X on Amazon. You know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in monthly sales in this in their product. You know what they want to do? They want to own their site now. They want to. They can't." They don't want to say, oh, we're, we're still an Amazon business, but now we're going to make blah, blah, blah.com. And we want to run some advertising there. And we want to sign up our own customers. And we have our own warehouse mm -hmm. for other, for, you know, for our main product and other products. It's subscription or not. It's just not going to work how you think it's going to, because every dollar you spend on advertising, people are going to, mm -hmm. you know, look you up and then boom, they're going to buy on Amazon because you have history there. You have four star, five star reviews, yeah. right? You're on prime. Uh, Amazon's got that clout, whether you like it or not. So brands, brands and brand owners will be like, I want my cake and I want to, I want to have my cake and eat it too. So to speak, they want to say, I want to keep my massive growing Amazon store, but I also want to send people directly to my website and expect yeah. to what beat Amazon. No, it doesn't matter what kind of subscription or deal you offer. Like <laughs> the security to know that Am they buy on Amazon, they're going to be taken care of. That's all people are going to need. Now, I'm not saying it's the right decision yeah. to for you to kill kill your Amazon store, but out of all my 20 years doing this, I have not seen that work perfectly that any how anyone wants it to work ever. Now, doesn't mean you can't have your own store, sure. You yeah. you can get repurchasing there and everything, but if you if you maintain a strong Amazon presence, you're mm. going to pay advertising to feed and improve your Amazon presence. That's the one that bothers me. Maybe slightly controversial. That yeah, my, my, no, I don't think it is at all. And I think you're right. I think if, if people say to me all the time, you know, what platform should I use to do my business on? I'm like, you want to go where your customers are going to be, right? And you, it's not rocket science. Sure. If your customers are on Amazon, go to Amazon. If they're on Etsy, go to Etsy. If they're on the web, build your own website. Now, yes, you should have your own website. And yes, you should build your own email list. And there's a lot of reasons why that's a good idea. And we've had guests on in the past talking about that. Um, but fundamentally, your customers are. you go where your customers are buying, right? Like when you're fishing, you put the hook where the fish are. Yeah. It's, no, but it's, so that's a mean? really it's great not. point. Like <laughs> I, I am not dog. I have, I have known several people that have made awesome businesses on Amazon. Now you ride the ebb and flow of Amazon in a vertical and you have to compete for it and everything, but you can no joke make, mm. you know, several, I know people that have made several like five to 10 hour work week type businesses, basically just supplying their stuff to Amazon, make a great brand 
and it'll do well for a little while and yeah. maybe it falls off but at that point you've made a couple million dollars in gross revenue off that brand or you sell it to another company and mm. make them deal with it but you are you you have a decision to make when you're launching a brand and i think a big part of that decision is do you want to build your brand on amazon or do you want to build your brand yourself and then maybe consider amazon later there are very different cost benefit analysis pieces there because bootstrapping a business is guess what not cheap capital markets right now not necessarily lending out money uh, at this exact point in time in, in history um but amazon businesses can be accretive more quickly you, you know you you still have to buy inventory but marketing is a lot less that's all come it comes down a little bit more to brand uh, compared to acquisition marketing and building your own brand from the ground up mm -hmm. but you know it's sort of like a you're also yeah, i mean this isn't necessarily an amazon podcast but in this particular case but you're kind of beholden to how well in your mm -hmm. capacity is on amazon because if you want to transcend that and say i'm going vertical myself that is a challenging uphill battle um at a certain point depending on your brand and what you own and what you you know what could be copied right um because the the rub with an amazon is they see mm -hmm. oh this is how skincare is doing right now or this is how mixers and alcohol and spirits are working right now and as soon as like you take your revenue away somebody's going to come up and take that spot or they're going to you know amazon will develop their own products in many cases and do it themselves yeah. um so point being bottom dollar there is as you're bringing a product to market anybody listening to the to this bringing a product to market come in with a plan that that separates if you want to build an amazon product first or you want to build your own brand and experience first for subscription yeah. or not candidly. Yeah. Yeah. No, very good. Uh, and very good, very good thing to try and understand. And um, can I just circle back uh, a little bit? Like you said about a subscription service, it's not about subscribe yep. and save. You've got to make it special, right? Um, I thought that nice. was a great phrase. I've double underlined it in my notebook, uh, Evan. Um, double yeah, underline. Um, I'll take it, know, man. It's, it's, it's right there. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> if, I, well, it's these principles which I think we so often miss, and they're, they're not rocket science. This is old school marketing. You've got to make the experience special. So what are some of the things that we can do or should think about um, in terms of so there's a lot here a lot of that comes down special. to your uh, CRM so if it's e how you're emailing how you're doing text or SMS if that's part of which I think yeah. it should be to anyone out there that's not doing SMS get um, but making sure that you as like above all establish a relationship mm -hmm. with the consumer and that is a one one that talks about your brand your email presence your organic social presence if people are experiencing you there that they that that all lines up but people sleep on organic social some some brand owners sleep on organic social that's a place where um there that's, that's free advertising in the sense of having an awesome organic social presence will get you extra mm -hmm. eyeballs with your mm -hmm. biggest fans um at pretty much free as long as you're maintaining yeah. that like free as in you're not having to pay for the ads mm -hmm. behind it right um so you got to develop a relationship. That's really what it is. A subscription is is built upon a relationship, and the things that strengthen a relationship are the things that strengthen the relationship in human mm. beings. If I'm being honest, it's it's good communication. Um, it's making sure that needs are being met by both parties. You're giving a company money. You're expecting a quality yeah. of service, and if that expectation is missed, then 
you need to address that with the company, right? And if the company is going to change the way it's delivering on its expectation in a way you don't like it, then you you break off that relationship, mm-hmm. right? So I look at a subscription, like an e-commerce product can just be supply and demand. It's the most basic principle of you got a thing I want. I have money. Take my money. Give mm-hmm. me the thing. Okay, great. We'll send you a receipt. You want a receipt? Cool. Great. See you later. And, you know, come back in if yeah. there's anything else. But subscription, that is a bill. That is an ongoing relationship that doesn't end after that mm-hmm. first order. And it only ends when either party, namely the consumer, but candidly, when either party decides it's over. Um, and as a consumer, you have an expectation. Yeah. And that you have, it needs to deliver on a few different things. And if it doesn't, um, it's going to fall flat. So some of the tactics I always recommend, engaging non-sales communications, Mm -hmm. talking about your company, talking about the brand you're building, the impact you're trying to make in the world, all those things to the right audience. They're not detractors. No, there's very few people that are going to be like, man, I buy from this company and what they're trying to save whales. (laughs) Like they're a bunch of jerks. Like, you know, so like, yeah, find a little cause, find something about your, your company that people bring up to you. Cause like, there's a, there's a K factor component here that with the right amount of stuff that brands are sometimes doing anyway, they'll talk about it. You're like, Hey, do you buy brand X? And people will be like, no, like, well, you know, so I get my coffee from them and it turns out that they are giving like some money back to the coffee farmers or the privately owned farms from these families in Colombia, whatever. Right. Like, Oh wow. And then it creates content for Mm -hmm. you organically with people. Um, So that's really important. So having engaging, non-sales driven content, organic email, SMS, um, curation. So taking, if your if your product can, if you have variations of it, a meal at home company is the easiest, easiest example. Every meal at home company out there, HelloFresh, Factor, Green Chef, anything, you name it. They ask you a handful of questions. Mm-hmm. What's your dietary preference? Do you have allergies? Okay. So. If you're like, I don't eat fish and you open up and you get nothing but fish dishes, you're probably not going to be pretty stoked about that. Right. So the same thing goes with, if I'm a, uh, if I'm ordering clothing and I say, Hey, my, my shirt size is this, my, you know, whatever I wear a size 42 shirt around the shoulders or whatever. And you're giving me stuff that is way too large or way too small or one size fits all, but it doesn't work for me. That's not yeah. living up to my expectations. That's not curated, but give me the product I want. And I know that there's multiple sizes of it. Also include a little printout in there saying like, Hey, blah, blah, blah. We picked this for you. And Evan, we know you're going to like this because you, you love summer and you love colors and you love the beach. So here's our product for, for the beach. We, we, we think you're a beach going, you know, whatever ocean guy. It's, I'm a marketer. Yeah, 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 yeah. That likes to save whales. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> likes to save whales. No, um, but like you, you curate that experience, make it something that feels special, makes it feel like, yes. hey, somebody over there cares about me, even if it's just an illusion, even if it's just AI yeah. and, and BI making those decisions, whatever. It feels unique, and that is. And that's what people want to do too in a relationship. You, if I, me and my wife wouldn't get along if she was just like, "Oh, it's you," and I'm like, "Hey, yeah, it's you." And then like, <laughs> we have kids. Yeah, they're over there. What are they doing? I don't care. Like that wouldn't work. Yeah. It takes a little bit of. It takes a little bit more than that. 
Um, so that's that's the other thing. So you curate something. Mm-hmm. If you make customers feel special, and if you engage with them real in a in an actual like relationship building manner, and let them know about your company, let them know about the challenges you're having, you'll find that like, hey, guess what? You might have to raise your prices someday, mm-hmm. but because you've been transparent about them mm-hmm. with the customer all the way throughout the way, and you give them. Hey, you want to opt in. We don't want to raise the prices without your permission. We we could, but we're not going to. So stay here. And here's what we'll do. We're going to give you te- you know free gift on your first next couple of orders once you do that. Yeah. You'll find that people will trust you. Yeah. Um, and people are looking for reasons not to trust a company. Yeah, they are. You, rem- you create trust. They will stay your customers forever and they will find you 10 more. Yeah. No, it's very, very true. Good point. Is there... Um... Is there, I, I see what you're saying in terms of, you know, the building the relationship, that's also going to build loyalty. And obviously, the whole thing about recurring revenue is you want them to pay the subscription on a fairly regular basis, right? It's not a one off transaction. But is there a way, you know, you being the marketing guy, uh, is there, are there things that I need to think about where it comes to acquiring subscription customers, that's maybe a little bit different to acquiring normal or non subscription customers? Yeah. One, your first order economics. Um, that's the biggest difference. When you're an e-commerce company, you're focusing on ROAS, and you got to make. You're never gonna, you're never gonna buy a customer and acquire a customer with paid advertising dollars and lose money mm-hmm. out that gate. Um, but with subscription, if you plan it and you understand what your LTV could, should, might be based mm-hmm. off of modeling and things like that, you acquire customers. Most subscription companies, in fact. I can't really even recall one I've ever worked on out of hundreds that entirely makes their customer acquisition cost back in margin dollars on that first order. So you are losing money mm-hmm. on that first order or break even before your team and salaries and everything at best. Mm. Um, but you know that you're going to get two, three, five more orders throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the year. And every single one of those is margin rich. You're not reacquiring them. You're mm-hmm. not having to spend a dime and they come back. Um, but that's very uncomfortable. That's yeah. very counterintuitive to, to a lot of businesses, even, even subscription businesses that have been around pre-internet, the gym, your utilities, things like that. They don't, they, you don't, you're not expected as a consumer to, you know, lose money out the gate. So why would you think that way as a business owner, the, yeah. the, the, the utility company isn't going to give you Hey, don't worry. We're just going to let you have free power for like a few weeks until we figure billing out. So don't even worry about like, no, they're billing mm. you the minute you're out the gate. Um, but you have to be ready for that now mm. with proper planning, proper financial planning and analysis, uh, pro forma modeling, all the, the things you should do. You know what to expect um, because subscription businesses are um, higher frequently, higher LTV, more purchasing, more product moving out the door, more mm. transactions. Um, have the ability to grow and continue to keep growing beyond most e-commerce companies in a predictable manner. But what you need to do is invest into it and you got to have a grip on your numbers. And when you're a product that's selling, you know, you're like, Hey, I have a hundred dollar t-shirt. I got to get a four row as on it on an e-commerce perspective, which means I can't buy a customer for less than $25. Mm-hmm. But if you're a t-shirt of the month club selling t-shirts, for $75, but maybe every month or every other month, knowing that that LTV is going to be $300 to $400 a year, yeah, 
and your your margin maybe is 50%, which in fashion, your margin's way better than 50%, yeah, 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 but for yeah. easy numbers. So the LTV is $50 or uh, 50%, excuse me, LTV is $400, mm-hmm. margins 50%, you're making $200 per customer you acquire. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, even if you paid $100 for that customer, seems like it wouldn't make sense, but annualized, it does. You're making yep. 25%. Profit margins after your advertising, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's uncomfortable, and you yeah. gotta have capital to do it, and that's not easy. But that's like probably the the backside entrepreneurial mistake that I've seen made is you just can't be expected to make your money back if you're paying in the advertising game uh, out the gate with that. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, and I uh, I, I I like that thinking that actually, uh, which is why I guess um, if you do think that way. You can be a little bit more creative with a slightly more expensive marketing strategy to get the the customers in. Uh, like promotions. Yeah. Like you have a lot more promotionality. Like I, especially in certain verticals, I won't name which ones because I have clients in these, but a lot of brands <laughs> are like, we never do promotions. Yeah. Like, yeah, okay, I hear you. I hear you. But like, look, everybody that's on social that they're taking a chance on you for the first time. They need something that shows you as a company have skin in the game. Yes. It ma- does it make my job easier and, and more doable. Candidly, if you have like a first order 25% off instead of first order, buy a bunch of stuff and, you know, and be happy about it. Sure. Absolutely. But like, it also shows the consumer that you're willing to risk something yeah. and say, Hey, my, my product is normally worth a hundred dollars per quarter month whatever doesn't matter but today you could try it for 50 because i i want you to be feel happy about it i don't want you to pay full price if you don't if you're not sure because we're new to you mm-hmm. in the future we're going to be 100 but we're going to show you that that's the value every single time and that is kind of just table stakes for a lot of advertising it's not enough it, it, the, the promo is now marketing is now convincing people it's not just the discount it used to just be who has the bigger discount and i'm going to go with them mm-hmm. it's actually showing a discount is our commitment to saying price is not going to be an issue we're going to eat a little bit as a company to show you that price is not an issue and now we can also get more fun with marketing and say hey your first nine meal or you have you know nine free meals over your first you know three shipments or four shipments or whatever yeah. right so it's just really important not to be stuck in like the perception that a brand that discounts is a cheaper brand. That's not entirely true, but things like fashion sometimes fall into that things like beauty products and things that are, you know, about aesthetics tend to fall into that category, which we just try to say, Hey, at least do something like free shipping on an order of X or more, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, free overnight shipping or free two day sh- Like, Give people something that make them makes them feel like a deal is coming because everyone also loves a deal on the internet and every so many websites just have deals like that's just yeah. the internet brings deals I I didn't start it that way I guess but it is yeah no that's very good that's very good I'm writing lots of notes now um so what do you um, what do you see the future of all this, Evan? Where's the subscription commerce thing going? I think subscription commerce is going a few different ways. There's, um, if, if I think what will come next is the evolution, the continuous evolution of 
consumer and company communications mm -hmm. um, and flexible subscription models that are triggered by like, let's say SMS or opt out via SMS or SMS shopping. I'm pretty bullish on long-term. Mm -hmm. Um, something that's saying like, Hey, by the way, you know, your product's coming next week. You good with that? Yes. No. Uh, if no, then when, um, because you want it to be, people want a little bit more on demand, a little bit more flexibility there. So I think that's, that'll continue to evolve with subscription commerce. Um, I think advertising like, I mean, um, not just in the vein of subscription commerce, but there's a major shakeup. If anybody who's running advertising right now knows that like the past, two years have been a wild ride of pandemic driven success mm -hmm. and uh, privacy changes with good old Apple set and Facebook. And um, now a real struggle to find scalable growth advertising, uh, which I've been refocusing in. Yeah. You got to be a lot more data literate than you need to be mm -hmm. because in platform metrics are unreliable at best. You also got to be more creative with your brand. This is like, mm -hmm. I think there's a really fun stage of 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you could have a still image with a little starburst that says today only 25% off and be like, I'm crushing it. This ad's mm -hmm. crushing it. What'd you do? I changed the starburst from uh, a light <laughs> orange to a darker orange. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. oh man, yeah. like that was crushing it. Now you got to be storytelling with your creative. You have to be. Yeah creative production more native for the platform because insta ads don't work the same as facebook ads don't work the same as snap TikTok, or pinterest um so using the platforms and what people are interested in on these platforms to speak to them um you know on the platform that they're on so don't you don't mm -hmm. talk to somebody that you're trying to acquire on facebook the same way you talk to them on TikTok. you will mm -hmm. not get scale on on the yeah, platform yeah. you're making creative for or you're not great making creative for so mm -hmm. Creative is now shifted to much more of a storytelling mechanism. Your brand's got to stand for more. Um, you got to be focused on creating a, a valuable relationship for the consumer a lot more. Um, and then be smart about your marketing. So there, it's harder to get data these days. I, you're never going to get the same data picture we used to get two years ago, three years ago at this point. But... You can still understand your total business economics. You can still understand the mm -hmm. influence a channel has from advertising um, by running structured incrementality tests saying, hey, we're on Facebook, IG, and Google right now. Common trio for most, right? I want to add TikTok. Okay, so here's what I do is I run TikTok at this budget for this period of time. Look at what that does to my overall traffic. Look at what that does yeah. to my CAC. Look at what that does mm -hmm. to my order volume and say, okay, when I run on TikTok with these ratios, don't take away budget from the other two, but run out mm -hmm. these ratios. This is the kind of lift I get. Now I optimize mm -hmm. the whole thing. I optimize say now I take some Facebook budget, move it to TikTok, and does my mm -hmm. cat get better or worse? You have to do things a little, you have to slow down a little bit because yeah, yeah, yeah. the instant gratification isn't there anymore. I can't do anything about it. I wish I could, but that's that's what it is. But what you can do is still understand the influence because um, you know, I always tell people that, like, yes, your Facebook. Has, has and will always continue to drive people to Google. You will see mm -hmm. somebody will see your ad and then Google you and then purchase on your Google ad. Does that mean you yeah. don't want to pay for that Google ad? You probably still want to pay for that. Does that mean you're mad yeah. that you paid for that Facebook ad? No, you're happy you paid for it even if it led to them searching on Google, right? So yeah, yeah. get a hold of your numbers as best you can um, to not make mistakes. Yeah. Brilliant. 
Listen, Evan, I, there's so many questions I have and so much I could get into, but I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, and um, I, I, that's such, like I say, lots of notes, double underlines and everything. Squares, stars, you name it, we've got it. Stars, uh, all right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boxes and boxes are the, the critical ones, Evan. Uh, so thank you so much. If people want to know more, right, they're going to have questions. Uh, can they reach out to you? How do they talk to you? Uh, go. All right. First place, find me on LinkedIn. Evan Paget. Not too many of us, uh, especially ones that have big beards and stuff like this. You'll find <laughs> me there. Uh, you can email me, Evan at stealthventurelabs.com or Evan Paget at Gmail. I'll throw out my personal one that I check most frequently because why not? I love talking about this Go stuff. Um, and then also just check out our company at stealthventurelabs.com. See what we're up to. Uh, there's a form there. I see every form that goes through. So if you're trying to get to me, that's another good way. Um, mm -hmm. And just see what we're up to. We also have a really fun thing that I, I like talking about too, which is our impact lab. Uh, the last part of our uh, three labs is uh, one where we um, actually run a 501c3, a nonprofit organization, uh, enabling inner city kids, young entrepreneurs, we've built an academy for them to actually learn how to build a brand, launch it, uh, set up the advertising for it. And then we actually fund them uh, their first five to $10,000 in advertising to, to bring their product to market. So, because uh, we oh, believe in building out this next layer mm -hmm. of entrepreneurs and starting it at a young age with um, kids that may not have that opportunity. So mm -hmm. looking for ways to help there. We're always looking for more thought leaders or people that want to donate or donate their time or just help out. That's also really awesome. So find me anywhere there. Um, happy to talk about this at all, at all times because uh, this industry is fun. And again, it's been half my life at this point. So here we are. <laughs> and it'll probably be the next half of your life. As yeah. Well, I mean, now we're starting to get to the two thirds of it. You know, I'm working on that. The, the one third, two thirds, which is scary, I guess. But, you know, we'll yeah, yeah. There. 80-20 rule. Go for that one. There we go. <laughs> yeah. 80% <laughs> of my life on the internet to get 20% of what? Oh, anyway, we'll yeah. figure that out later. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. You can work it out. There'll be a spreadsheet which will help. Oh, you yeah, absolutely. Sure. Uh, <laughs> listen, Evan, uh, seriously, huge thanks to you uh, for coming on the show. We will, of course, link to all of the uh, links that you gave in the show notes and people can get hold of you that way. Uh, do reach out to Evan. Uh, it'd be great for him to uh, hear from you. I have no doubt. But Evan, uh, love to get you back on the show at some point. Such a lot of good stuff there. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. And anytime, I'm going to get more boxes. That's my goal now. Now that I know there's a hierarchy, boxes. <laughs> so there you have it. What a fantastic conversation. Another fantastic conversation here on the e-commerce podcast. Uh, a special huge thanks to Evan for joining me today. No doubt Evan will be back on the show in the future. Look out for future episodes with Evan by subscribing. Uh, and if you are new to the show and you haven't gone through the back catalogue yet, you can find it all on uh, our newly revamped website at www.ecommercepodcast.net. There's even a little search feature so you can go and look through some of the past episodes. Uh, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from because, as I always say, we've got some great conversations lined up and you're not going to want to miss any of them. And just in case no one has told you today, you, my friend, are awesome. <laughs>